1: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and You're
0: listening to Comedy Central. Coming to you from New York City, the only city in America, it's The
2: Daily Show. Tonight. Why we're sending news to space. The history of black jockeys. And Alex Burns and Jonathan Martin. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah.
3: I'm Trevor Noah. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for coming out in person. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Take a seat, everybody. Take a seat. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. We have got a great show for you tonight. Roy Wood Jr. is gonna explore the secret black history of the Kentucky Derby. Madison Cawthorn is back in the news with another scandal. And our guests are the New York Times reporters who got the Kevin McCarthy tapes where he's trashing Trump about January 6th. So, let's do this, people. Let's jump straight into today's headlines. All right, let's kick things off with inflation. As you know, all across the world, prices have been skyrocketing. And it's all thanks to the pandemic, supply chain issues, and a Russian man who clearly wasn't hugged enough as a child. (laughs) And because of that, everything costs more. Groceries, gas, blackmail. It's terrible, everything. (laughs) And every government around the world is trying to figure out how to bring inflation down, which is why now the Federal Reserve is stepping in with a major move that America hasn't seen in decades.
4: On Wednesday, the Federal Reserve raised the interest rate by half a percentage point, the biggest hike in 22 years. The increase makes borrowing money more expensive, from new mortgages to auto loans to credit card rates. It's designed to cool down consumer demand and curb
5: inflation now at a 40-year high. And Fed Chairman Jerome Powell saying the aggressive move, they're saying it can be done without risking a recession.
4: So there's a path to that. Now, I would say I think we have a good chance to, to have a soft or soft-ish landing
2: or outcome, if, if you will?
3: Okay, I felt confident in him until he said a soft-ish landing. Soft, I like, soft-ish. Anytime you have to add ish to something, I don't feel reassured anymore. Yeah, this roller coaster is safe-ish. These clams are fresh-ish. Yeah, baby, we're monogamish. You know how this is gonna end. But basically, basically. Here's how it all works, right? The Fed raises interest rates, which means the cost of borrowing money goes up, which means that people and businesses will spend less money, which then makes prices start to come down. And it works because higher interest rates affect so many things in your life. It makes a mortgage more expensive. It makes car loans more expensive. It makes paying off your credit card more expensive. Even makes buying Twitter more expensive. That's why Elon has to go halvesies with Saudi Arabia now. <laughs> the trick The trick, as Jerome Powell was alluding to, is that you have to bring spending down, but not too much, too fast. Yeah, you gotta do it just right, or the economy could crash and you end up in a recession. So it's a delicate balance, you know? Think of it, um, you know what, think of it. Think of the economy like a house party, all right? Yeah, you you want it to be banging, you know what I mean? You want it to be banging, (laughs) but you don't want it to get out of control because then no one can get a drink, everyone's punching, fighting over what's left. It's chaos, basically, it's chaos. So raising the interest rates is like trying to calm the party down. But if you're too extreme and you call the cops, or if you just like turn on the lights and now everyone sees who they were dancing with, (laughs) now the party ends. The whole thing shuts down. That's a recession of a party. So what the Federal Reserve is trying to do is change the playlist just enough so people stay, but that also makes sure that nobody's dancing on the table. Does that make sense? You understand what we're doing here? Yeah. So it's tricky. It is tricky, but they have to try because if they don't do something, a dollar will get you less and less every day, which is gonna suck for everyone, especially for the dollar. Man, this sucks. Back in the day, people used to use me for everything. You could buy a horse with me, you could buy a windmill. Hell, they bought Alaska with me and they got change. But look at me now. Thanks to inflation, I'm just a glorified bookmark covered in fecal matter. People don't even wanna snort cocaine with me anymore. Now they only talk about Benjamin. That loser wasn't even president. (laughs) The only things I have left in my life now are dollar stores and strip clubs. And I swear to God, if strippers start taking Bitcoin, I'ma kill myself. (laughs) Dollar is very angry. All right. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to a politician who will presumably never be on money, Madison Cawthorn. North Carolina congressman and villain on every CW show. (laughs) Five weeks ago, Madison Cawthorn claimed that his Republican colleagues were doing cocaine and having giant orgies, which he was deeply disgusted by. Yeah, because you see, he's a true Christian who stands for traditional conservative values. And so that's what he said about his colleagues. And clearly, he pissed somebody off because since he made that accusation, week after week, people have been leaking things that seem to be exposing him as a fraud. Yeah, the scandals have included everything from pictures in lingerie to allegations of insider trading and a campaign aide with their hand on his crotch. And now, in the words of the esteemed political analyst, DJ Khaled, another one
5: a completely shocking video appearing to show the congressman completely naked in this video. It purportedly shows him acting crass, I guess you could say, with a friend in a uh, bedroom, while not wearing any clothing at all. Now, notably, this is put out by an opposition group. This is a group that's working actively to try to defeat the congressman in the upcoming Republican primary, but the congressman, he admitted that it is indeed him in the video.
3: Yeah. Someone released a video of Madison Cawthorn from a few years ago before he was in Congress, naked, basically pretending to hump his friend's face. And believe me, I wish there was another way to say that, but there is not. (laughs) That's the story. And you gotta admit, man, these people are coming for Madison Cawthorn. You know, in fact, the way they're coming for Madison Cawthorn, I'm starting to think maybe those cocaine orgies were real. You know? I said too much. So for the 50th time, Congressman Madison Cawthorn was forced to release a statement explaining why this isn't as bad as it seems.
4: You are witnessing
6: one of the first examples of a politician who grew up with a cell phone in their hand, with the ability to take photos, videos, and have others use that content as a way to hurt you. Most of my colleagues in Congress right now would not be serving in Washington if they grew up within a single mile
2: of a cell phone growing up.
3: Okay, before we address the statement, can anyone explain to me why the American flag is in that video? (laughs) That flag wasn't humping anybody. (laughs) Why are you dragging the flag into this bullshit, Madison, huh? (laughs) You can even see the flag behind him like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I wasn't there. Now, as for the point the young congressman was making, as much as I do not like him, I have to agree. Since the beginning of time, people have had the ability to insulate what they do in private from what they do in public. But now we have a whole generation who's growing up documenting every single dumb thing they do or say or hump. (laughs) And, And honestly, unless they're breaking the law, we're gonna have to figure out how to deal with this in society, right? Because thanks to phones, everyone's friends have dirt on them. Yeah, honestly, everyone. In fact, if your friends don't have any dirt on you that could someday ruin your career, then I'm sorry, you're not friends, you're just acquaintances, okay? (laughs) Understand that now. And so I agree, I honestly agree. You know, this is just part of the product of the times. Yeah, what he was doing was extreme, but this is part of the times. Like if previous generations of politicians had the same technology as we do now, we might have seen really embarrassing selfies of Abe Lincoln, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and can you imagine young Mitch McConnell with an iPhone? Uh, I mean, even if there was nothing scandalous, we'd still have to see him trying to look cool every single day on TikTok. You see him there G- trying G- to go. Yeah, he's, he's looked like that since he was 14. That's just his face. That would have gone viral, by the way. All right, let's move on to a story about space. Jeff Bezos' vacation home. For decades, humans have been trying to not only find other planets for us to destroy, but also intelligent life for us to colonize. And we've tried everything. You know, we've sent out deep space probes. We sent out radio waves. Uh, In the 50s, we sent like a bunch of dogs and monkeys for some reason. But now, after decades of no luck, NASA has decided to take things up a notch.
6: NASA scientists plan to send pictures of naked humans into space, hoping to catch the attention of aliens. Nudes will come with an invitation to respond. Pictures aren't graphic, just a drawing of a naked man and a woman next to a picture of DNA. NASA revealed this as part of a project called Beacon in the Galaxy to send a message to any alien civilizations.
3: Okay. First things first, they've got to hire more women over at NASA because only dudes would think the best way to introduce yourself is with unsolicited nudes. Hey, You up there? What are we doing? Those aliens are gonna be really upset that they turned on their airdrop for everyone in the galaxy. (laughs) But also, but also, but also, if you are going to send nudes, why would you send these nudes? (laughs) Let me tell you something, man. If I was an alien, no way in hell I'm coming to this planet. If someone sent me these nudes and they said, hey, you up, I'd be like, I am so far from up. I'm in a coma, I will never be up again. I mean, look at this thing. Feels like you sexting with an Atari. What is that, huh? The woman doesn't even have a nose. Look at that shit. Think about what we're saying. Either this planet has zero technology because this is how they draw themselves, or this is how they actually look. Either way, I'm not coming, I'm not coming. That's a terrible thing to say. Like, maybe if I was like a 13-year-old alien, I could make that work. Yeah, you know what I mean? But but how are these the news that we're sending to aliens? If we want aliens to get interested, don't send them an Etch-a-Sketch drawing. Send them coupons for OnlyFans. Come on, man. Get them in the game. And you know, honestly, even if the aliens are interested, I think we've got to be careful. This is sending the wrong idea about us into the galaxy. Just imagine for a second, the very first thing we send to aliens is naked photos? (laughs) What, are we only trying to make contact with the horniest aliens in the universe? Yeah, no wonder every time they abduct someone, they probe their butts. We're sending out the wrong vibe. You understand how scary this is? You know what's gonna happen here, right? The aliens are gonna get here and they're just gonna expect to smash immediately, yeah. <laughs> and then they're gonna be disappointed. Yeah, imagine if someone you've never even met before texted you nudes, and then you go there and they're like, cool, now that you're here, I wanted to introduce you to Joe Biden. <laughs> that is the worst catfishing ever. They'll blow up our planet just for that. And come, your horny horny, and they'll be like, take us to your later, we're here to smash. <laughs> now we're in trouble. Yeah, the only way that would work out is if the aliens come and Trump is president. Yeah. No, 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 because if there's one thing I'll tell you about Trump, he'd the shit out of those aliens. (laughs) He'd be like, I don't know what they have down there, but I'm grabbing it. I'm grabbing it. Come here, aliens. (laughs) We should actually... We actually should hope that this only reaches the horny aliens. (laughs) Because you realize how offensive this is gonna be if it just ends up in front of a normal alien? They are gonna be so pissed off. (laughs) Sheila! (laughs) Sheila! Those earth perverts left pornography on the lawn! (laughs) Yes, I'm sure it's not my pornography! (laughs) You know I wouldn't be yanking my floor flex to a drawing of two hairless monkeys! Yeah, I mean, one doesn't even have a nose, Sheila. Come on, you know what I'm into, and it's not this crap. Plus, I don't need pornography. I only need you. You know I love you, baby. I love you, Sheila. I love that copy. All right, that's it for the headlines. But before we go to a break, let's check in on the stock market with our very own finance expert, Michael Costa. everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I Bring mean, you tell
6: what is happening in the market today, man? Well I'm an expert at this, you know, and, and I I am crushing the market. I mean so, I, so you say? Absolutely crushing it. And and as an expert, I do have a hot tip for you. Can't wait. And I got a hot tip for you as well, so we'll get into that. but but, but before we do, before we do. The the Fed raising the interest rates. Yes. This is a great thing, okay? Because during the pandemic, you know, know, we lost interest, right? I I lost interest personally. I lost interest in Netflix. I lost interest in my family, you know? I I lost interest in work, to be honest with you. I wasn't trying that hard before, but now I am really phoning it in, okay? So, but, but, but look, raising the interest rates, it affects everyone, and especially regular, middle-class homeowners like myself, okay? Now, I have a ski castle in Courcheval. It's the French Alps, 12,000 square feet. It's on a nice, pristine glacial lake. And, 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 And if I hadn't locked in my rate before this, I wouldn't be able to redo the kitchen on the main property. So, it's Tuscan marble, Trevor, okay? so um but you know one thing i've learned is whenever you complain about renovating the kitchen in your fifth home nobody has any sympathy but can you imagine a 16th century ski castle with a bad kitchen (laughs) (laughs) i love to cook let's get let's get yeah you're the true victim the the nasa sending the nudes yes yeah and we'll get to this in a second but um (laughs) that's a risky move okay because nasa doesn't know who's gonna get those nudes i mean what what if it's alien children Right now, now Earth is exposing itself to children. You know, do you think about that? Next thing you know, Earth is on the intergalactic sex offender list, you know? And we got to go around from galaxy to galaxy, knocking on the atmosphere, saying, hello, I'm Earth. I'm your neighbor for 3 billion years. I'm legally required to tell you I'm a sex offender. Can I get to to the market? Yeah, I'm Okay, Okay, cool. So look, Yesterday, on the news that the interest rates were going up, the market shot up, Yeah. okay? Today, on the news that the interest rates were going up, the market shot down, (laughs) right? So, I'm an expert here, don't forget. In summary, when the news of the interest rates are going up, the market will either go up or it's gonna go down.
3: (laughs) Thank you. Hold on, hold on, Mike. Yeah, but, but Michael, that, that doesn't make any sense to me.
6: Yeah, well, that's because you're not an expert like, like me, and, and, and that's my hot tip, okay? Leave it to the experts.
3: Thank you, I think, Michael Costa. All right, don't go away, because when we come back, Roy Wood Jr. is going to take us through the secret world of black horse racing. You don't want to miss it.
1: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
3: Welcome back to The Daily Show. This weekend is the Kentucky Derby, the biggest day in horse racing and mint juleps. But what does horse racing have to do with black people? Well, let's find out in another edition of CP Time.
0: I do not have his money. Do. Ah, well, hello. Welcome to CP Time, the only show that's for the culture. Today, we'll be discussing blacks in horse racing. Usually when you think of horse racing, the only black thing that comes to mind is the horse itself. Turns out many of the people riding them have been black too. Not to take anything away from those black horses though. Stay strong, my horse brothers. (laughs) For many years in the early days of organized horse racing, black jockeys were extremely common in the sport. Partly because black people had a lot of experience taking care of horses during slavery and partly because riding horses was the best way to prevent the police from stopping you for a broken taillight. Take the Kentucky Derby, the biggest event in the sport. It's so popular, you've probably heard of it, even if you're not a gambling addict that blew his kid's college money and lost the house on weekend races. Sorry baby, Whispering Willow was supposed to be a sure thing. In the first Kentucky Derby in 1875, 13 out of 15 jockeys were black. And the winner of that race was Oliver Lewis. Oliver rode to victory on his horse, Aristides. Strange name, but it was the 1800s. If you got a black jockey, you got to at least give the horse an extra white name to balance things out. Despite his success, Lewis retired from racing the very same year he won the Derby, which is understandable. With the prize money he won, he could finally achieve the dream of every black man in 1875 Kentucky. Moving out of Kentucky, not only were black people the first to do it, but they were some of the best. Like Isaac Burns Murphy, seen here thinking about racism, probably. Isaac was considered one of the greatest jockeys in history. He was the first person to win the Kentucky Derby three times. And his win record is still unmatched to this day at 44 percent. Murphy was the first rider ever to be inducted into the Horse Racing Hall of Fame which is the highest honor a jockey can receive other than being told, hmm, you're actually taller than I expected. But despite their success in the sport, black riders soon all but disappeared from horse racing, making it yet another thing that started out very black but became very white, much like rock and roll or Brooklyn. And that's because in the early 1900s, there was a concerted effort to push black jockeys out of the sport. White racers engaged in harsh tactics both on and off the track. They would hit black riders with riding crops or run them into the rails. Two-time Derby winner Jimmy Winkfield was even threatened by the Ku Klux Klan. The irony, he and the KKK both love riding horses. If equestrianism can't trump hate, then I don't know what can. The harassment got so bad that in 1904, Winkfield left the country to become a racing superstar in Russia. Do you know how bad it's gotta get for a black man to move to Russia? They didn't even have black people over there back then. Although maybe that's the secret. Gotta get in early before they learn how to do racism. But soon enough, practically the only black jockeys you could find were those creepy little statues on rich white folks' lawns. Between 1921 and the year 2000, Not a single black jockey even raced in the Derby. Do you understand how long that is? It took all the way until the Baja men released who let the dogs out for a black person to compete again. Not saying that the two are related, unless... (laughs) Nah, you're being crazy, Roy. Now, one black rider who did make waves during those years was Cheryl White the first licensed black female jockey in America. Cheryl started her career racing straight out of high school, which means she was the most influential black teenager on a horse until little Nas X came around, and she didn't need the help of Miley Cyrus' daddy. At just 17 years old, White was already winning races and gracing the cover of Jet Magazine, which is incredibly impressive. Nowadays, most 17-year-olds I know could only make the cover of Dumbass Up to No Good magazine. I see you boys doing the vaping before school. I will snitch on you. Watch me. So the next time you think of horse racing, think about the black jockeys that blazed the trail back in those early days. Don't just think of Seabiscuit, or the guy who rode Seabiscuit, or how much money you lost by not betting on Seabiscuit. Baby, I'm not coming home for a little while. I'm so sorry. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, I'm Roy Wood Jr., and this has been CP Time, and remember, we're for the culture. Uh, Could somebody help me put on this fake mustache? There's a gentleman named Knuckles swinging by to get some money, and I don't have it for him, and I have gotta get the hell out of here. Come on, man. Okay, all right. This location has been compromised. Come on, Jennifer Lewis.
3: Roy Wood Jr., everybody. All right, when we come back, Jonathan Martin and Alex Burns are joining me on the show, so don't go away.
1: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
3: Welcome back to the show. My guest tonight. Our political reporters who are here to talk about their explosive new book, "This Will Not Pass," Trump Biden and "The Battle for America's Future." Please welcome Jonathan Martin and Alex Burns. <laughs> I'm not even gonna waste any time. I trust that you are good. Let's jump, jump straight into this. Um, this is the best way to describe this book for me is it, 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 it's basically like the Real Housewives of Washington, D.C. <laughs> it makes it look like the most scandalous place. You, you realize there are so many inner feuds and, and things that we don't even know about. When I'm reading this book, I'm going, well, shouldn't the American people see that then? Like, why do they get the sanitized, like, oh, this is how we are, when in fact, this is, this seems like, it seems like this is what's deciding the country versus what the people are seeing on the news, but the people are voting on what they see in the news.
4: No, and I think that that's, that's spot on, and it's one of the things that we believe so passionately about political journalism. It's one of the things that we tried to do in this book, is that there's not some uh, clean separation between uh, the personalities of politics and the feuds that you're talking about and the Real Housewives-style drama and the policy of it, yes. right? It's the personality yes. uh, and those feuds and all the sort of hyper school level pettiness uh, that actually drives what happens and if people uh, in Washington were more uh, upfront about that I think first of all they would confirm a whole lot uh, of what the American people sort of suspect uh, about their politicians Uh, but secondly I I, you know I think it would be possible maybe for the country to have a more honest conversation about what's wrong here Mm. uh, if we weren't all putting on a different face but when the
2: cameras are running in Washington Trevor you see two very different kinds of politicians than what you see behind the scenes in private but they don't know that say the audio
3: is running so this book exposes a lot. <laughs> Let's talk about that, the audio. You know, I mean, one of the biggest bombshells from the book is the audio that, that you released, which was the audio of Kevin McCarthy after January 6th, basically saying, yeah, we've got to make Trump pay for this. He's responsible, yeah. etc." Mitch McConnell essentially being like, oh, I hope he does get impeached. You, 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 you're hearing things from politicians who said the complete opposite when they were on camera. So how did you hear about it? Well, uh, no, a lot, a
2: lot of work, a lot of hours, a lot of talking to people at all levels of government and even people outside of government. I mean, there's this perception among um, folks who read political journalism that it's this Hollywood idea where like somebody in sunglasses comes and like drops you a bag outside uh, your house or like, and you get the story of a Mm -hmm. lifetime. It ain't that. It's like a lot of work. It's a lot of shoe leather. It's a lot of uh, time talking to people and hoping that you can piece things together to eventually get the full version of a story. And if I could just, you know, look, uh, you had a little fun with us at the Correspondence
4: Center. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. fair. We're big boys. Uh, (laughs) We noticed. Uh, We We noticed.
2: We can take it.
4: (laughs) But the honest honest response to, to your line that night is, look, if we were in a position to release that information the second we got it, of course we would have done that. But part of the exercise of writing a book and part of why it's different from writing for a newspaper or producing a television show is that the people you're talking to, the sources you're working with, yeah. will be more candid with you and will share more information. It's not just audio. It is documents. It is notes that they're taking in real time. It is their personal views yeah. uh-huh. uh, and recollections when they feel they're sharing it for history and not you know, a
3: show that's going to air uh, in a couple hours from now. That is, that makes no sense to me because I mean, like it's not like this is ancient history. Well, it's sort of, it's, it's sort I of- I mean, this happened a year ago and you're telling me the politicians are like, well, this will never see the light of day in a year. It is, it is, it is actually extraordinary. And it's one of the things that
4: I think- this, I, I mean, I think, these I are, think are the people running the country? When we were, i <laughs> <are> trying to. <laughs> you know, when we were, when we were having, when we were doing these interviews, you would see people sort of uh, very sort of yeah. uptight. And then you sure, say, listen, this is, <laughs> this is for history. And they're right. like, oh, well, if this is for history, and it's
3: like, oh, it's, <laughs> it is out next May. <laughs> I mean like let's talk about the, the you know some of the, the other stories for instance there's a part in the book we actually have the audio here and we'll go to it real soon is there's a part of the book where you're interviewing donald trump himself yes all right there you are interviewing the man and in the middle of this interview does he call lindsey graham or does lindsey graham call him lindsey graham calls him lindsey graham calls him there, while uh, you have an in interview in
4: the
2: lobby at mar-a-lago for yes. his guests to see lindsey graham calls him and trump does not get up from the couch excuse me fellas he just like sits there and like takes that call on his cell phone and then puts it on speaker so we can hear it
3: so we've actually got the audio. Let's 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 play that call. And most importantly, would you tell them one thing? Can Trump play golf? Legitimately play golf? Okay. So listen, I thought it was all bullshit too. So we go play for
4: the first time. You know, I've heard this, I've heard that. So we play in October. It's
3: kind of raining. He shot even far, Missed a three footer from the 18th. Yes. And he would have been one under but even for playing by the rules of God. Yeah. After that, he we'll started helping with my game. He's a legitimate five, six, maybe more. You, if you don't believe it, go play with him. So here's the thing, for, for context for me, is, is this is the same Lindsey Graham, who after January 6th was bringing up the 25th amendment. He was like, this is too much, we've gone too far. And then Trump has him on the phone and he's just like, dance for me. And, and this he, is and April, he does. this is three months later too. So this is pretty, yeah. Is, is this, does this show us that the politicians are lying to the people or they're lying to Trump?
2: That's a great question. That's a
4: really good question. Look, I think we were shocked, uh, uh, not that Lindsey Graham would be calling Trump at that point, but, you know, we all know that uh, Lindsey Graham rode back to Donald Trump really fast, that his pronouncements on the night of January 6th uh, had a very, very uh, short expiration date uh, on them. But I think just hearing in in real time, in front of us, this, you know, sort of dancing a monkey routine uh, was really an extraordinary uh, moment. I don't know that he's lying to anybody. I think Lindsey Graham genuinely believes that he is playing a vital role as a diplomat between the establishment of the republican party and donald trump i'm not saying he's right i just that's clearly how he's rationalizing
3: it
2: it puzzles even some of his colleagues in the senate but you just heard there the the, you know just how far it goes i think trump knows that lindsey isn't like his biggest fan in the world uh and that privately you know rolls his eyes but that he sort of uh you know is trying to sort of stay in the arena and so he has to keep trump on his good side and i think you know like you know obviously Lindsay Lindsay is pretty obviously uh, aware of Donald Trump's liabilities and would admit that in private. So I think like, what's the old saying? You can't BS a BSer. I think they kind of both know that the other isn't totally on the level. And so I guess it works, right?
3: I mean, not for the country, you know? (laughs) It's just, it seems, yeah, no, it it just seems like if... You know, if, if Donald Trump didn't have as many scandals as he did, I feel like every single chapter in this book could have been its own book in a different oh, right. time with a different presidency. That's great point. I didn't know, but, like, there's a part <clears throat> in the book where you guys uncover the fact that Jared Kushner is the person who got Kanye West his campaign manager. Yeah. And all of this was essentially a scheme to try and siphon black votes away <clears throat> from the Democrats. Like... I'm like that in, on, in and of itself. That would be the bombshell of the day, and now it's just like, oh yeah, just one part of the book. Look, I yeah, think it's a great.
4: Totally. I think it's a great episode of sort of political, uh, uh, you know hijinks, right? But it, it, it's really revealing both of how desperate they were to try to mess with the basic electoral math uh-huh. uh, of this election. I think it's also really revealing about how uh, the White House and the president's family saw, uh, you know, uh, black voters and what th- what they would be drawn to in this election. The notion that uh, the way to get, to siphon black votes away from Joe Biden was to get this uh, sort of screwball celebrity into the race and just, you know, of course those people will, uh, you know, uh, vote for him instead of the guy they know as the former uh, two-term vice president. Yeah. That
2: says a whole lot about the people who are running the country if, for four you years. You know, but look, with the Trump crowd, it's like a cartoon version of like, past presidents. You know, like the president's son-in-law, who, by the way, works in the White House, which yes. is OK. Uh, and then secondly, it's like basically running the country as a de facto senior advisor with no actual title beyond senior advisor. Yes. And he's also like running the campaign on the side, too. And in running the campaign, he's trying to wire in a third party candidate uh, who happens to be like a celebrity. He's like he's doing all this and like ostensibly there's ethics rules that kind of exist in the White House, but um, it it makes a mockery of any sort of like political norms or tradition in America. That's a great
3: way to put it, because what it feels like this book exposes in a a really scary way, because it's revealing and it's shocking, but when you get to the end of the book, you go, man, America's in trouble, because it feels like there is a facade that is being presented by Washington, D.C. It feels like there is definitely a game that's being played you know, in the Capitol versus what everyday Americans are experiencing. And then the most important thing is it feels like the two-party system has failed because now it feels like Republicans aren't all with Trump. They play along to try and keep their role. And then, like, Democrats aren't all together. But it it feels like the thing is a sham. And by the time the American people find out that it really is a sham, it'll be too late. Well, one of the things that we hope
4: uh, we've accomplished with this book is to expose that sham to a pretty significant degree. Uh, The American people deserve to know. What a gigantic gap there is between the way their politicians behave in public and the things they say uh, in private about policy, about each other, uh, and even about the American people. So, again, that's sort of the overarching journalistic exercise
3: here. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this if you, uh, if, you, if you wanted to get it out there. A book is a nice start, but if you really want people to pay attention, you got to make it into a TV show. Gentlemen, thank you so much there for joining me. There you go. Really From your lips you. to God's ears. Thank you. Jonathan and book, This Will Not Pass, is available right now. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Thank you. Man.
5: Really. <laughs> Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
1: Thank you to the geniuses of and audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
3: Well, that's our show tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. But before we go, before we go please consider supporting the National Network of Abortion Funds. They're a grassroots organization on the ground, building power to remove financial, logistical, cultural, and political barriers to abortion. And they form a network of over 70 grassroots organizations, and they recognize the power of local activists knowing what their communities need. So right now, abortion is still legal in all 50 states. So if you can, please donate at the link below. Until next time, stay safe out there, and remember, when the cell phone comes out, that's when your pants go back on.
6: Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central
2: and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus.
0: This has been a Comedy Central podcast.
5: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.